Good to see everybody out there, and uh, we're going to start Sunday nights with our prayer requests that we have this morning, but I do have a card here that I want to read, and uh, let's be praying for this family right here, and so let's read this. Uh, it's with a heavy heart we have to say goodbye to our church family. You have been a blessing to us. We love each and every one of you. The day we walked through the door, we knew we were home. Please keep us in your prayers as we start on our new adventure. We will miss you all uh, and, uh, and pray for us. And they're moving to West Virginia, and this is Lynn and Penny and Tricia. And so they've been uh, with us for quite a few years here, and we've enjoyed them worshiping with us, and we thank the Lord for that. And uh, let's be praying for them as they make the move uh, down to West Virginia. So be praying for them. All right. Got a couple of prayer cards here that I want us to remember. Let's remember Teresa Moorhead. Uh, this is my cousin and her, her, her husband and father are both on hospice and she is taking care of them. That's from Helen Moore, so let's remember Teresa Moorhead. Let's remember Glenn Bromwell. Uh, he was over at Bible Baptist for years and years, one of my Bible teachers actually in school. And uh, he fell on the ice and broke his ankle, and he'll be in the hospital for a while. That's from Eunice Aleph, so let's remember them. Let's remember John Lapp, a three-year-old Amish boy with leukemia. So let's remember him. That's also from Eunice Aleph. Let's remember William Houck in prayer. Brian, uh, this is from Gary Houck. Brian and I are in need of the Lord's wisdom in health care decisions for our father. So let's be praying for Brian and Gary. Uh, as they're taking care of their dad. 
so please lift them up. Then let's remember Melody Lesjar, a prolonged concussion after a fall on Monday. She's unable to uh, function. Let's pray for her for, and for her healing. And that's from Tim Lesjar, so let's be lifting them up in prayer. Let's remember Frances McClanahan. Pray for her and her family. Hospice has been called in. So quite a few prayer requests this uh, evening that we want to remember. Let's please be lifting those up and praying for them. And uh, usually Becky will make sure that these are posted for us so we can be praying for them. All right, Adam, would you stand up right where you are and open us up in prayer this evening? our blessed Redeemer. Sing, O earth, His wonderful love proclaim. Hail Him, hail Him, highest archangels in glory. Strength and honor give to His holy name. Like a shepherd, Jesus will guard His children in His arms. song. Praise Him, praise Him, Jesus our blessed Redeemer. Our sins He suffered and bled and died. He our rock, our hope of eternal salvation. Hail Him, hail Him, Jesus the crucified. Sound His praises, who bore our sorrows, love unbound and wonderful, deep and strong. Praise Him, praise Him, tell of His excellent greatness. Praise Him, praise Him, ever in joyful song. Praise Him, praise Him, blessed Redeemer, heavenly. Portals loud with whole 
Christ and King, Christ is coming over the world victorious. Right, let's remember these announcements. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to get the ushers to come on and make their way this way for our Sunday evening tithes and offerings, and then we'll make sure that we get the announcements so you're listening, all that good stuff. Tuesday night, Youth Group and Discovery Club, 6.30 to 8.30. This Wednesday night, the 31st, is a business meeting at 7 o'clock. Uh, don't forget February the 2nd, Men's Devotion Night, Young Adults. February the 3rd at 7 o'clock. The Owls Luncheon is in there. And then some special things that we have going on. The Nottingham Four, uh, their 50th anniversary concert will be on March the 9th at 7 o'clock. The Mark Trammell Quartet will be singing. Don't forget about that. Also, if you want to go to the dinner before, you need to see Delmer uh, this evening about that. And then we're excited also about our uh, spring revival and our uh, Bible exposition that will happen kind of together. We're going to have Travis Kerlock again. We're looking forward to having him. And then at the end of the week, we're going to have Brother Steve Cox will be with us, uh, Kogan East, Dale Vance, Adley, and Michaela will be doing some singing for us as well. Looking forward to that. Uh, so let's lift that up in prayer. All right, TJ, would you ask the blessing on the offering this evening? singing, Lord, be with the preaching, Lord, just uh, bless the one that would stand to bring your word tonight, Lord, we just pray for this offering, Lord, bless the gift and the giver alike, in your name we pray, amen. amen. 117, 117, everybody stand. Come on up in this last verse. Let us not grow weary in the work of love. Send the light, send the light. Let us gather jewels for a crown above. Send the light, send the light. Oh, send the light. The blessed gospel light. Let it shine from shore to shore.
don't believe in fairy tales. I guess I've outgrown them. That doesn't mean I don't believe that there's something bigger than me. Cause I've seen it in the hospital room when the doctor said sorry. There's nothing more we can do. But it wasn't through. I've never seen a pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. But I've got a promise I can hold in the middle of the struggle. God, if you said it, you'd perform it. May not be how I want you to. But here's what I'll do. greet somebody as we come down the choir comes down
All right. Hadn't it been great to be in the house of the Lord today? Yeah, it's been wonderful, and I praise the Lord for it. And uh, God is good. All the time, God is good. <laughs> God's good all the time. We praise the Lord for that. And uh, if you have your Bible to, tonight, I want you to turn with me to the Gospel of John in chapter number 12. Gospel of John in chapter number 12. And uh, we're going to move along now with um, the next, <laughs> uh, the next uh, group of sermons that I want to try to deal with. Uh, so the Gospel of John, chapter number 12. And if you'll remember, we said back in the, when we were uh, talking about uh, Mary, the mother of the Lord Jesus during Christmas time, that uh, sooner or later we would be looking at the Marys of the New Testament, and that's what we're, that's what we're doing. We had several sermons on Mary, uh, not just one. I think it was three sermons that we had on Mary. Uh, the mother of the Lord Jesus. And uh, now we're going to look at another Mary. Tonight we're going to look at Mary, uh, the sister of Martha and Lazarus. So we're going to take uh, a look at tonight uh, at her. Uh, this is another one of the Marys in the Bible. So uh, there are a number of names that were uh, very popular then. I, I want to kind of say a little bit about that. So uh, when Michael was born, Michael just happened to be in the late 70s, a very, very popular name. <laughs> and uh, there were just so many Michaels around. And uh, today, uh, there are a lot of people Michael's age named Michael. They're everywhere. They really are. They're everywhere. Uh, but today, uh, children being born, uh, boys are, it's not as nearly as popular a name as it was back in 1978. Uh, and uh, so uh, now it's different names. Um, uh, a few years ago, the most popular name for a, for a boy was Ethan. That was about, I think, five or six years ago. Ethan was the most popular name for a boy back then. I don't know what the most popular name for a boy is today. Uh, uh, maybe somebody can tell me later, uh, but I will tell you that um, uh, that uh, Bella, we have a Bella. Is Bella here? Back there. Okay. Hey, hey, Bella. All right. We we have to get together every year around Christmas time and talk about what we're going to get for Christmas. And uh, but Bella is actually a, quite a popular name. And I, I couldn't guess why, but you, you might if you watch Disney shows, Disney movies. Uh, but Bella is quite a popular name, and, uh, and that, uh, that's nice. But th they go in cycles. Well, let me just say that at the time of Christ, if they went in cycles, the cycles were a lot slower <laughs> then. And so what was popular one year was going to be popular the next year and the next year and the next year. Now, the reason I'm saying this is because there are a lot of Marys in the New Testament. Mary was the most popular name at the time. So if anybody was having a baby girl, uh, there was a very good chance that her name was going to be Mary. 
Uh, and uh, there were some other very popular names too, but Mary was one of them. So if you're reading through the New Testament and you think, wow, there's a lot of Marys in the New Testament, it's because there was a lot of Marys at that time. And there were Marys everywhere <laughs> because it was such a very, very popular name. What name was it we were talking about not long ago? I am on, am I not? Yeah, I guess I am. Uh, hope so anyway. Uh, there was, we were talking about a popular name not long ago. There were so many people that I knew that were with this name who were, uh, in, uh, I think around Trent's age. But uh, anyway, whatever it was, I can't remember now. But that's, I, would wanna, I wanna clarify that a little bit because we are gonna look at quite a number of Marys in the Bible and, uh, and it, it isn't that everybody was named Mary, but it was that a lot of people were named Mary and that's why it seemed that there were so many in the New Testament is because the name itself was very popular. But then there's another thing too I wanna to say before we read the scripture and get started. And that is that uh, while the name Mary was very popular, there's also, uh, a sense that a lot of people uh, that were associated with the Lord Jesus Christ, a lot of these people seem to have the same names. Uh, look back through it and you'll see that. You'll find that uh, there are quite a number of people who are associated with Jesus that have, the, for instance, uh, the name James was a very popular name among men, especially those who were, uh, who were with the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul also doesn't seem that popular, but it actually was a very popular uh, name at that particular time. And then Simon was a very, very popular name. Lots of Simons uh, in the New Testament. So having said all that, uh, let's read the passage of Scripture and we'll get into looking at uh, Mary, the sister of Martha, and Lazarus. So John chapter 12, if you'll stand with us, we're going to begin reading in verse 1 of John chapter 12. We're going to read down through and including verse number 8. Then Jesus, six days before the Passover, came to Bethany where Lazarus was, which had been dead, whom he raised from the dead. There they made him a supper, and Martha served. But Lazarus was one of them that sat at the table with him. Then took Mary a pound of ointment of spikenard, very costly, and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair, and the house was filled with the odor of the ointment. Then saith one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, which should betray him, why was not this ointment sold for 300 pence and given to the poor? This he said, not that he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief, and he had the bag and bear what was put therein. You can guess which Judas we're talking about here uh, without even noting his last name. Look at verse number seven. Then said Jesus, let her alone. Against the day of my burying hath she kept this. For the poor always ye have with ye, but me ye have not always. Dear Lord, we pray you'd help us in the understanding of the Word of God tonight, and we pray that we might be able to put it into perspective and draw something meaningful from this study. We pray it in Jesus' precious and holy name. Amen. So there's a blog that you can go to. It's called Got, uh, 
got questions about the Bible, and you can go there, and if you go to that blog and look it up, you'll find a notation there, uh, and it says this, concerning this particular passage of Scripture and this event. It says this, All four Gospels present an account of Jesus being anointed by a woman with a costly jar of perfume. Uh, Matthew and Mark relate the same event, but do not give the woman's name. Luke tells of a different woman, different event, and she's also anonymous on an earlier occasion, and yet, in an, uh, and yet in another event. The woman in John is identified as Mary of Bethany, or Martha and Lazarus' sister. Uh, so let me just, if you, you want to jot a couple of things down here, you can find... Uh, the Lord Jesus being anointed in Matthew chapter number 26, verses 6 to 13. Matthew 26, 6 to 13. Also, you can find an, that same event recorded in the Gospel of Mark, chapter number 14, verses 3 to 9. In both of these instances, uh, or both of these records, it's talking about a woman who comes in, and it's earlier, and she anoints the Lord Jesus Christ, she anoints his head. And I'll talk a little bit about that more in a minute, but yeah, that's what they do. They, uh, she comes in and she anoints his head. Okay, now the next thing I want you to notice is in Luke chapter number 7, verses 36 to 50, uh, also an unnamed woman uh, comes in and anoints the Lord Jesus Christ. And that is a different event than Matthew or Mark. And then when we get to John chapter 12, it's the third different event that's recorded. Only one place is, uh, is Mary, uh, the sister of Lazarus and, uh, and Martha. Only one place in the scripture uh, do we have the record of her anointing uh, the Lord Jesus Christ, and it's found in the Gospel of John. So in the Gospel of John, chapter number 12 that we just read, we have this one and only record of her uh, uh, anointing the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, the first thing I want us to notice is I want us to notice the time of the anointing. That's going to help us too, because the Bible says uh, in the very first verse that we read, then Jesus, now notice this, six days before the Passover, he came to Bethany where Lazarus was, which had been dead, whom he raised from the dead. So the time of this anointing is six days before the Passover. There are some scholars, not, not too many, but a few, who believe that Luke and John are the same event. But it's not true because uh, in Luke, it's two days before the Passover, and it's in a different location. It's... Uh, here in this passage of scripture in John, they are at Martha's house. And that's another thing we're going to talk about here in just a minute, which doesn't, it doesn't have a huge bearing on it, but I just like, uh, I just like to take note of, uh, of a couple of things as we go along. So why am I saying this? I think it's important for us to understand a couple of things. One is we have these three events, and they are three different events. One of them is recorded twice. The other two are only recorded once. It's important for us to understand that. But it's also important for us to understand something else. So listen to me carefully. So I believe the Bible. Okay? Say that with me. 
All right? I believe the Bible. Now, not only do I believe the Bible, but I believe the Bible is literally true. And I believe that is historically accurate. Okay? So, in order for Luke and John to be the same event, then one of them would have had to have gotten at least one thing wrong, if not two. One of the, either Luke or John 1, misrecorded what happened. Okay? I know that Luke was a physician. I know that John, we look at him as a, as a theologian. And I know that we look at them at bringing different perspectives to, uh, uh, to our understanding about who Jesus is. Michael did a fantastic job of dealing with that on Wednesday night. You should have been here. Amen? You should have been here to heard it because it's important that we get these details and that we understand that. And so, understanding that... We believe that the Bible is true. We also believe that it is factually correct. And so it doesn't matter whether John recorded it or Luke recorded it. Both of them recorded the event correctly. Amen? They both so if they both recorded it correctly and they're different, then they must be different events. Amen? It must be different events. Makes sense, right? Understand. Now, the reason I say that is because you're going as you as you grow and study the Bible more and more. And I was going to talk a little bit about reading the Bible, but I'm going to wait till next. Uh, uh, I'm going to wait till Sunday morning to do that, so you don't have to hear it twice. But it's important not only to read your Bible, but also to study your Bible. And as you study your Bible, you're going to read some commentaries eventually. And sometimes you're going to read con, uh, commentaries, and some of these scholars are going to disagree with the Bible. You say, oh, Bible commentators wouldn't disagree with the Bible. Yes, they will. And what they will do is they will explain it away. Okay? They'll say, oh, no, well, I know it says this, but what it really means, let me tell you something, it means what it says. If you can ever get that, it means what it says. And by the way, if you're going to understand what the Word of God means, then you're going to have to know what it says. You cannot know what the Bible means if you don't know what it says. And so it means what it says. So therefore, if Luke and John are giving us different details that are, that are not compatible with each other, then we know that it's definitely two different events. Uh, and so we're looking at this one event that's recorded uh, of Mary, the sister of, uh, of Martha and Lazarus, and we're noting that the time of it, re, uh, the, this is the only anointing recorded that six days before the Passover, and it's Mary that's doing it. Now, I want you to notice something. Martha and Mary and Lazarus knew Jesus. They knew him. And we know that at least three different occasions we have recorded where they're in that home. But, let me say this, I believe that they were in that home much more than that. Because apparently, if you read, if you read chapter 11 carefully, you'll find that not only did Martha and Mary and Lazarus know Jesus, but their neighbors knew who Jesus was. 
And they were, uh, they were anticipating him arriving after the death of Lazarus. As a matter of fact, some of the neighbors were anticipating uh, him arriving before the death of Lazarus. So it, he was known in Bethany. He, there was an area where Jesus himself was known. So that means that the Lord Jesus Christ must have visited Bethany many times in his three and a half years of ministry. And that means that Mary knew something was about to happen to the Lord Jesus Christ because on this occasion she had waited for to anoint Jesus. She waited for this moment. She waited for this moment. I'm going to say that again. She waited for this moment. Hey, fellas, what, what was it like when you had that diamond ring in your pocket, but you hadn't popped the question yet? What were you doing? You had the ring. You knew what you were going to do. You, you, I mean, you know, if I've got the ring in my pocket, I've already bought it from the jewelry store. You know what you're going to do with that ring. You know you're going to pop the question. But what do you do? You wait for the moment. Some wait a long time. Some wait a long, long time. And, they're, and their intendeds get nervous. Because they're waiting so long. But they're waiting for the right moment. I honestly believe that Mary was waiting for the right moment. And let me tell you something. There's something to be said about knowing when to do it. Amen? There's something wonderful about having enough spiritual insight and wisdom to know that, that yes... I need to speak for Jesus. And I need to talk to this person about Jesus. But this is not the moment. Say, oh, preacher, that's not true. I've heard people say this. Every moment is the right moment to tell somebody about Jesus. I got, I, I, I got to agree with Charles Stanley on this. Charles Stanley said every moment is not the perfect moment to witness to somebody. Okay? So you're all going to think I'm crazy, but that's Okay. I like to watch these videos on YouTube of people smashing their cars into each other. Now, let me tell you something. If you accidentally run a red light and you smash into somebody's car, when you get out of the car and walk over to see if they're all right, that is not a good time to ask them if they love Jesus, okay? That is not a good moment, okay? You, you've chosen the wrong time. You, you heard about the doctor that got all wound up about, you know, about uh, telling people about Jesus. You heard this. If you haven't, that's okay. If you have, that's okay. I'm going to tell it anyway. He got all, I mean, he was in revival that week, and every day the evangelist was just drilling it in them that they needed to witness to somebody about Jesus. And so he decided, I am going to witness to every patient today about Jesus. The first patient comes in. And he comes in and, uh, and, uh, uh, and he walks in and he says, well, I'm going to go back here and, 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 get your, uh, and, and get your chart because there's some things I really need to go over with you about the chart. So he went in there and he got the chart. 
And he said, now nah, I've got a witness to this guy. So he walks in, and he opens the chart, and he said, by the way, if you died today, do you know where you would spend eternity? The guy passed out cold right in front of him. It's not the right moment. Mary knew this was the right moment. Did, did she know that it was six days before the Passover that was going to lead to the death of the Lord Jesus Christ? I don't know. I, I don't know. But I'll tell you one thing. Somehow, some way, she knew. Just like Mary, the mother of the Lord Jesus Christ, knew some things about Jesus. She, and you remember we talked about it. Just in, in somehow, some way, she knew. She just knew. It doesn't, we don't have any explanation of it, but she evidently, obviously, she knew. And could I say to you that sometimes, sometimes we just know. And I wanted to say this too, okay? I don't want to get in trouble with the guys here, but uh, listen, have you ever noticed that sometimes your wife knows stuff that it's plum spooky, you know? My, my wife will say, I'll say, well, I'm just waiting for this to happen. And my wife will say, that ain't going to happen. And I'm like, oh, yeah, that's going to happen. It's not going to happen. Oh, I know that's going to happen. I mean, this and this and this and this. You know it's going to happen. It's not going to happen. How does she know? I don't know. But it doesn't happen. <laughs> I don't know how they know. Somehow it seems like the wives and mothers, they just know stuff. It's scary sometimes, the way they know this stuff. But they do. Now, I'm not trying to just be funny here. I believe that, spiritually speaking, Mary knew. And it wasn't just the fact that Mary was a woman. Because I don't think Martha knew. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm sorry. I don't think Martha knew. I love Martha. I'm looking forward to meeting Martha. I've known a lot of Marthas in my lifetime. I've known a lot of women that work so hard in the church and so hard in the ministry and just, you, you couldn't stop them. They're like the Energizer Bunny. They just boom, 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 boom. They just do it and do it and do it. Let's do it, let's do it, let's do it. But some of them, there's some things that they miss because they're so busy working that they miss something spiritually. Mary didn't miss it. She knew. Something was about to happen. And she had waited for this moment to anoint Jesus. Then I want you to notice something else. I want you to notice the place of the anointing. The Bible says in verse 2, there, talking about the home of Martha and Lazarus and, and Mary, there they made him a supper. And Martha served, but Lazarus was one of them that sat at the table with him. I want you to notice something. Mary, the sister of Martha, this was Martha's house. Several times the house is identified. Now I want you to think about this very carefully. Several times this house is identified, but not one time is it ever identified as being Mary's house. There's one time when it says Mary sat still in the house. The house. But it does not say that Mary sat still in her house. It was Martha's house. Not one time is it ever said that it's Lazarus' house. As a matter of fact, it leads me to believe that Martha is probably the oldest of the three of them. 
As a matter of fact, I, I, I could be wrong, but I believe that not only was Martha the oldest, but I believe that Lazarus was the youngest. I, I just, uh, reading the scriptures over and over again, and uh, I just kind of get this, uh, in, you know, intuitive kind of thing that, uh, that Lazarus was loved and babied. <laughs> just, I'm just going to be honest. It, uh, Lazarus seems to be loved and babied, and Martha seems to do all the work, and it's called her house. Now, it could have been called her house for two reasons. It could have been called her house because she had a husband who died, and therefore she owned it. Or it could have been called her house because she was the oldest of the three, and she had purchased the house for the three of them to live there. Either way, or it might have been both. Could have been both. But, but, but it's her house. It's evidently her house. But she's not the one who anoints the Lord Jesus. Now, it would have made sense for either Martha to uh, anoint the Lord Jesus because it was her house or one of Martha's servants to anointed the Lord Jesus. But not for Mary. It doesn't make any sense for Mary to anoint the feet of the Lord Jesus. It just doesn't, it, it, there's, there's no common sense reason to this. And could I say to you that what happened this morning in these four walls, there is no common sense explanation for that. Amen? You, hey, I know we don't use slide rules anymore, uh, but Forget your scientific calculator. This is not, you don't, you're not coming up with the explanation for what took place this morning at Nottingham Baptist Church by way of logic. It, ha, it is spiritually known to us. <laughs> We're born spiritually. This is to be spiritually discerned. And by the way, if you don't know Jesus, you don't know what was going on this morning. I wish you would get to know Jesus so you could know what's going on this morning. But listen, don't expect sinners to understand what's going on in the house of the Lord when things like that's happening. No, you got to win them to Jesus first. Amen? Got to win them to Jesus first. No, no. We, it, there's just no explanation. So there's no common sense explanation as to why Mary would do this. But she did it. Now let's, now let's notice exactly what it is that she did. I got to just throw one more thing in here uh, and uh, before we get to the sort of the meat of it all. <laughs> it was Martha's house, but Mary was still at home. And did you notice what it said in verse number one? It says this. It said, Then Jesus, six days before the Passover, came to Bethany where Lazarus was, which had been dead, whom he raised from the dead. There they made him a supper, and Martha served. But Lazarus was one of them. Jesus was invited to this place. Amen. They made him a supper. They made a supper for Jesus. A lot of people, and I tend to agree with them, a lot of people believe that this was a celebration of the raising of Lazarus. That's what this was. You know, there was a celebration. They, the, the, the brother that they thought had died is now alive again. And so they're going to celebrate, and they made a supper, and they invited Jesus. 
And if you'll take notice there, it says that, that they made this supper. Jesus obviously is invited here. and They've come and made a supper for him. But it says that, G, that Lazarus was one of the ones that sat at the table with him. I mean, they're obviously emphasizing the fact that, hey, Lazarus is still alive. He, wants, he was alive and he was dead, but now he's alive again. But he wasn't alive forevermore. That's Jesus. Jesus was alive and he was dead and now he's alive forevermore. Now, Lazarus is probably alive forevermore at this very moment. But he had to die twice. Yeah, he had to die twice. But nonetheless, on this day, at this event, Lazarus is alive. And they invited Jesus to be here in this celebration. If, if you're going to do something... For the, for the Lord Jesus Christ, it's a really good idea for you to invite him into your life and into your activities. They, they invited Jesus. Mary was at home, and Jesus was there by invitation. So she had waited for this moment. Now she's here. It's time uh, for this to happen. Then took Mary a, a pound of ointment of spikenard, very costly, and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair. The house was filled with the odor of the let me just read that verse again. That's a beautiful verse. Then took Mary a pound of ointment of spikenard, very costly, anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the odor of the ointment. Makes you want to be there, don't it? Makes you want to just pull up a chair and sit right there in that living room see what's going on the day that Mary anointed the feet of Jesus just you just wanted to be there when something so glorious happened let me tell you something uh, sometimes uh, most of the regrets that I have in the ministry are not for what I've been able to do but for some of the things that I missed okay <laughs> for instance there were a few people that walked the aisle and got saved, and I was out somewhere else on the day they got saved. Oh, I would have liked to have been there. But I sure am glad I was here for the ones that did walk the aisle that I saw. Amen. I, saw, I remember when I, was, uh, when I was in youth group and I went to Grenada uh, and spent, not, not Grenada, um, uh, um, I'll get it in a minute. Guatemala. I went to Guatemala, spent the whole summer in Guatemala. Uh, from, from, I mean, from the beginning of the summer. From May to September, I was in, uh, the end of September, I was in, in Guatemala. And when I got back, they were telling me the stories of all the people that got saved at youth camp that year. And how they baptized them in the lake. And how they shined the lights of the cars uh, out over the lake. And as they lifted them up out of the baptism, baptismal waters in the lake, the lights of the cars shined on their faces. They said it was almost like they were glowing. Oh, I'd love to have been there. I'd love to have been there, Brother Harry. But I tell you what I didn't miss. One night, fairly late, up in Antigua, the, the, old, the old city of, uh, the old Guatemala city of Guatemala, the old capital city. We were up there late one night. We, we were a long way from, from Emmett's house, but we had gone up there and shown a gospel film and given a gospel invitation. And way up there on the top of that hill, 
The only light was just a little spotlight that we had from the generator because after the earthquake, there was no light in that village, none. So the only light we had was the little light from the generator shining down there. And the young mother walked down an aisle at the end of that service, and Emmett knelt down with her, and in Spanish, he led her to a saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. I was so glad I was there. <laughs> I was so glad I didn't miss that. You know, wouldn't it have been wonderful? Wouldn't it have been wonderful if you could have just been there at that moment? Mary was there. Jesus was there. Lazarus was there. Martha was there. And the Pharisees, they, they were there too. You know. Or at least Judas Iscariot, who obviously had the heart of a Pharisee. Why didn't you sell this for 300 pence? A year's salary could have been gained. We could have given it to the poor. The Bible says he didn't want to give it to the poor. He was just trying to make a fuss. Because he would have liked to have had the money. Jesus said, why don't you leave her alone? And then he says something very interesting. Very, very interesting. Verse number 4 and 5. He says this, Then saith one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, told you Simon's a very popular name, which should betray him. Why was not this ointment sold for 300 pence and given to the poor? This he said not because he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief and he had the bag and bare what was put therein. Then Jesus, then said Jesus, let her alone. And then this is a very interesting thing. Against the day of my burying has she kept this against the day of my burying hath she kept this see I told you she was waiting for the moment Jesus said she's she's held this back she's kept this for this reason this is why this is the whole point of it this is why she had this ointment to begin with. Because a lot of times during the times of Christ, a lot of times in, 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 in Israel, uh, spices were kind of like a savings account. <laughs> because they were small and yet they were extremely valuable. And so people would, would, would hold them and save them for later years. And then they would sell them when the time would arise and they needed the money. You ever done that? You ever done that? Put the money in the savings account or bought something that you knew you weren't going to keep forever that was more expensive than you normally would buy because you know there's going to come a day when you're going to need that money and you're going to sell this and you're going to take this money and you're going to use it for retirement. You're going to use it for a wedding. You're going to use it for a funeral. You're going to use it for a big vacation. Any, anybody ever done anything like that? I know you have. Some of you have told me about it. You set that money aside for a special reason. We're going to do something special with it. Mary saved this money so she could anoint the Lord Jesus for his burial. And do you notice that she did not anoint him, his head? She anointed his feet. And did you notice that she did not clean his feet? 
with a towel or a cloth. She wiped his feet with the hairs of her head. So in closing, let me kind of put this together for you. Here they're all at this big supper for, for Lazarus and for Jesus and big celebration. And the room is just packed full. There are people, I mean all kind of people there, including the apostles. And then Mary comes in the end of the meal. She comes over to the Lord Jesus Christ. She doesn't dip a small portion out of her ointment and place it on his head. No, she gets down on her knees at his feet. By the way, just so you know this, we see Mary, the sister of Martha and Lazarus, three times in Scripture, and every single time she's at the feet of Jesus. Every single time she's found at the feet of Jesus. Boy, that's a good place to be, don't you think? So she comes and she kneels down, and she takes all of this ointment, every bit of it, and she washes his feet with it. She washes his feet. And then she reaches up, and she takes her covering off her head, and she lets her hair fall down. Some of the people in the room are shocked. Jewish women of this time, they would never let their hair down in public. It was never done. But she did. And do you know why she did it? Because she was going to take that long, beautiful hair, and she was going to cleanse the feet of the Lord Jesus Christ with it. You got Judas over there saying, what a waste. And you have the angels of glory saying, what a sacrifice. What a praise. What a, what a manifestation of the glory of God. Judas didn't understand anything. And Mary... The little girl in the house who was often scolded by her sister because she just was never enough help sat at Jesus' feet until one day even the angels took note of her because she washed the feet of Jesus just before we pray think about this here we have Mary washing the feet of Jesus before the week is over Jesus is going to wash the feet of his apostles Peter said, Lord, I'm going to wash your feet. Jesus said, no, you're not. Uh-uh. I'm sure in Peter's mind, he remembered Mary. And he said, he might have even said, Lord, let me do this for you. Nope. Mary's already done that. That praise has already been offered. That sacrifice has already been given. That honor belongs to Mary.
because she waited for the right moment to offer her praise and worship unto me. Dear Lord, I thank you for the opportunity to bring the message tonight. Lord, I can't help but think about this morning's service. And Lord, I can't help but just maybe be a little bit grieved that there might have been some among us this morning who just did not fully comprehend the wonder of the moment, the magnitude of the event of worship. I'm afraid some may have walked out the door and just take it for granted that praise and worship is offered in this place. Never realizing, Lord, that we're offering the praise to you, but we could never offer it to you if you didn't give it to us first. Lord, we don't offer to you our wonderful praise and glory. No, no, we receive it first. and Then we offer it back to you. We can't worship like that without your Holy Spirit. We can't worship like that without your sweet move. Lord, that, that's not of us, that's all of you. How foolish we would be to think that somehow we made that happen. We caused it to come about. Oh, Lord, you were in the moment. You were with your people. Lord, may we never forget that praise and worship is a divine thing. And we ought to always stand in awe in your presence when worship is real and praise is genuine. And if there's somebody here tonight that can't really praise you like they would like to, Lord, really, they, they can't offer up any worship because they've never had any in their heart. They've lived their life at a distance from Jesus. They've never come to a saving knowledge of Christ. Lord, I pray that before this night is over, before this service is complete, they will have walked an aisle and trusted a Savior, whom to know is life eternal, whom to know is worship that's real, whom to know changes not only time but eternity in our hearts and in our lives. Speak to us, we pray. Jesus' name we ask it. Amen. Let's stand together. What shall we sing? How deep the Father's love for us. How vast beyond all measure. That He would give His only Son to make a wretch His treasure. How great the pain of searing loss The Father turns His face away As wounds which mar the chosen one Bring many sons to glory be mm -hmm. 